That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hi, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, a naturopathic doctor, and today I'm riding solo with a really awesome guest. She is a former naturopathic doctor. I think we actually graduated one year apart from each other, um, but turned birth empowerment coach. She's also the creator of the Love Your Love Your Labor System. She's also an author of a book called The Badass Birth Goddess, and she's also a pretty stellar mom of three. We're really excited to have on the guest as a guest today, Corinne Brown. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you were a naturopath and I've read your book, so I get some of the trajectory, but I also want our audience to understand um, what kind of led you down the path to really have a, a, a focus on empowering women's pregnancies, labors, et cetera, um, and shift gears from going from naturopathic medicine to completely focusing on that. I feel like that's the part that I've really wanted to know a, a little bit more about seeing as an, I'm, I'm an ND and I was like, why would you leave? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I feel like children are so wise. And as a little kid, I was always drawn to birth stories, Mm. pregnant bellies. Um, and actually there's a story in my book where my own cat is actually both of my cats were pregnant in the same summer and had kittens, but I was able to attend one of my cat's births as like a cat doula. (laughs) And so I saw the whole entire natural birth process from a very like early age and always really felt called to that. Like I would always ask and re-ask and re-ask my mom and my aunts and my grandmother, like, tell me your birth stories again. Like I was always, and they were always really fast, really painful and quick, right? Like that was kind of their trajectory. Um, And so always been really fascinated with, with labor and birth, all things. And then through my own journey of health struggles and whatnot, um, that the mainstream medical system was not able to help me with. It was almost all digestive. Should have seen you, but okay. you weren't you weren't ready for me at the time. You, you got so, me now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my digestive concerns are what actually turned me on to naturopathic medicine because that was the only thing I had ever tried that actually worked. And I was in mm. the phase of my life that I was like, I need to decide what I'm doing with my life. And I was like, you know what? I think naturopathic medicine is it. It's the only thing that's really resonated with me like this. Mm -hmm. And so went through ND school and naturopathic obstetrics was the only class that I would refuse to miss. I would sit in the front row. I would have all of my colors, all of my highlighters, all of my notes. I was like the best student. I was like, you can't, I couldn't get enough. I, all I wanted to do was absorb it. And, um, I then became a doula 
in the same year as graduating. So I became a naturopathic doctor and a labor doula in the same year and opened my, my practice and was just originally doing general stuff, just trying to make practice work like new NDs do and was attending a birth once with a midwife who was like, hey, you're like a naturopath and a doula and we have a, a room in our clinic and like you would be perfect in there working within our clinic. And so for I think three years, I worked inside a midwifery clinic and it was wonderful and amazing, but my own health journey again, kind of took me down and I was trying to run a practice. I was attending births at night. I was a mom at home at the, you know, at the end of it all. And, um, I was like, okay, this is too much. My plate is too full. I am burning out. My gut is telling me that something needs to change here. And so that's what made me decide to take my business online. And originally, again, was just, even though I'd been working in the midwifery clinic, I was like, I'm just going to do general, like YouTube videos, like smoothies and adrenal health and gut health. And like all, all these kind of general things that weren't my expertise. And then I got pregnant with my second baby and I was like, I should probably make a natural labor preparation program because that's what I was doing back in my clinic days. So I should probably extract that knowledge, put it into a program and then be able to help people all around the world, not just in the place that I was living. Um, anyway, between the jigs and the reels of running an online business with an online program um, and being a, a licensed ND, although I was inactive at the time, mm -hmm. I got into a bit of hot water with the college. They didn't super love what I was doing. It was very early in the days of NDs going online. And I think it was mm. all very new and yeah. they, weren't, they weren't thrilled. So it was after that, that I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to drop my license. I knew that I wasn't going to be going back to clinic. And so I knew that this was the trajectory that I was on now, this online world, this um, online business and coaching and supporting women through natural birth. Awesome. Awesome. So then how did, so you have three kids and each pregnancy from what I understand from your book was quite different. So how did that continue to evolve and start to be a reflection of how you wanted to like lead women into empowering themselves with their birth too? Is there, there's, there's a parallel I imagine through that yeah. as well. Would you mind speaking a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question. My first birth, um, like I said, I was an ND. I was a labor doula. I was working with the midwives. I had this family history of fast, easy births. I was like, I'm basically in the best position ever to have a natural birth. Like this is going to be great. It's going to love easy. the confidence, <laughs> right? I planned a home birth. I was like, it's going to be just a few hours, like nothing big. And then the whole entire birth story is in my book, but it was mm -hmm. a planned home birth. We didn't know that he was breech at the time. And now where I'm at, I believe like breach is a, a variation of normal, that there are ways to support breech delivery. But um, at the time, obviously I was in labor when I found it out. Um, and my midwife is like, yeah, there's, we can't do a home birth. You're no longer a good candidate. I was transferred to the hospital via ambulance by the grace of God, I came into the care of an OB who was just about to retire, had delivered breech babies before he'd been around the block. He's like, you know what? I can see you're devastated by the idea of an automatic C-section right now. So let's try to have him vaginally. 
So I labored for another 12 hours to try to have a vaginal breech birth and I wasn't dilating and things weren't panning out. And then that doctor's shift ended and a new doctor came on and it was like, we're done here. You're not dilating. We're going into C-section. So there, there were various instances or, or elements of that experience. My first birth that I was like, I was disempowered there. Mm-hmm. I should have known better. I should have done this differently you know, and I really, in my post, I had a difficult postpartum. I was healing from a C-section. I had breastfeeding difficulties. I had a lot of guilt and regret and frankly, shame about my birth experience. And I really struggled and was like, you know what? I, that's why when I got pregnant with my second baby, I was like, I need to create something. I need to create a system that I can follow (laughs) to set myself up for success, but also that other women can benefit from. So after that first birth, created the love your labor program while pregnant and the program still includes those original videos of me and my husband at the time like I look like a little baby I'm pregnant with my second baby (laughs) like yeah and so I was I was training I was teaching but I was also preparing myself and getting myself ready Mm -hmm. so it was this very kind of cool energy where I was like coaching and encouraging women but also kind of coaching and encouraging myself so followed that system and was able to have a very healing intervention-free VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean in hospital with my second. Sweet. And there was a couple of little things that I would change, but overall I was like, damn, that was, that was really great. Like there was no nurses in my room. There was no OBs. I didn't see anyone. It was me, my husband, and my midwife. And I was like, you know what? That's as close as that you could probably get in the hospital to a home birth. But nonetheless, I was like, I still really want that home birth experience. I really don't feel like that scratched the itch, you know? It Is that why you decided to get time. pregnant a third time? So you're like, third time's a charm, guys. Let's do this again. <laughs> I need another birth. <laughs> I need another try. <laughs> you know what? We were on the fence for a third. And I really feel like that was left up to the universe. And that story is in the book as well, where we made a pact with the universe and we're like, we're not going to try, we're not going to track. We're just going to leave it up to fate. And we are going to, if we get pregnant again, that'll be our sign that we're going to move to Nova Scotia. We're going to make all these big life changes. And literally the next day when I wasn't even in my ovulation phase, we conceived and that month we're pregnant. And I was like, but we are not ready for this, but it was so, such a clear message from the universe. Like you will have a third and this is the time and on we go. So my third birth was, you know, I'd had the undesirable C-section. I'd had the healing, but not quite it be back. And so this time I was like a woman on a mission. I was like, this is my last birth. I am not about to give this up. And I was met with a lot of resistance, having a vaginal birth after cesarean at home. Some people are more comfortable with it than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my midwives was just straight up like, I don't think you should do this. Your baby could die before we get to the hospital. And me doing what I do, knowing what I know, having supported and encouraged and empowered thousands of women over the past, well, that had been four years at the time. Um, I was like, yeah, that's the number one manipulation tool that they will use in the mainstream medical system. Your baby could die. Your baby could die. Your baby could die. That's what they say to make women do what they want them to do. And I literally looked at her and I was like, you will not be attending my birth. You won't, you can't come into 
my birth space, which I am so protective over with that energy and that fear. And so I had to advocate a number of times to protect. And that's what I really feel like my love your labor program does is protect our own natural innate birth wisdom mm. and just doesn't let the, the fear and the medical um, system impact or, or, you know, disrupt that. And so my home birth was absolute perfection. It was dreamy. It was a three hour ecstatic home birth, exactly the way I had visualized it down to the detail. Um, my, my recovery was unbelievable. Hmm. The next day I was up and back at it. And, um, the fact that I had these three distinctly different experiences, I mean, it, it obviously kept improving. Right. And so with the last one, I'm just like, I was like, it lit me on fire. I was like, Whoa, this is what's possible for people in their birth experience. Like I want to help every woman to have this experience. And then I just really went on a roll with love your labor, like promoting it as far and as wide as I possibly could. But I think the fact that you had three, three such different experiences allows you to speak on the emotional roller coaster that some women might feel when they are kind of, I guess, funneled down that labor funnel, I guess is one of those things. I think that's one of the terminologies used the labor funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there's a bit of a disempowerment happening and you experienced a little bit of that. So I think that creates a better connection with women for them to understand. Cause if you just had like a fully granola ecstatic, like home birth in a water tub, and it was almost like an orgasmic experience and blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't land the same way for people because they were like, well, you just had the ideal. So how can you possibly understand? And I think the fact that you're able to experience a variation of things allows you to speak more with personal experience about, about how it might be, what your options are, where you can make choices, that kind of stuff. And I think that allows you to be a better educator on those topics. So I think you were led down that road Mm -hmm. intentionally by the universe that you could guide others as well. Oh yeah. My birth experience, my journey has served me for sure. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't trade any of them. No. Yeah. They've all been invaluable. And I've had clients who've said, you know, I really appreciate that you've had all the experiences because then like you say, like you're speaking from a place of knowing, not assuming. That's just it. So I want to talk about the love your labor program, but I also really quickly want to, how do I put this? Cause I mean, I, 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 I think that you and I both understand and we appreciate the fact that the medical system is incredible for a lot of reasons and it's fantastic for a lot of reasons. And that might be exactly what some people want and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is they have choice. And I and, and that's what, what a lot of the Love Your Labor program is. But before we get into that, I kind of want to know, how do I put this in a way? <laughs> what were some of the more shocking things that you started to understand along your journey when it came to pregnancy labor support that you were kind of like, oh, hold on, hold the phone here. When you were starting to really dive into it to begin to understand how to support people, like what were some of the things that were a bit of like, I don't know, maybe a red flag for you? Would that be a way of asking that question, I guess? Yeah, and I'll answer it the way I think that you're asking it. Um, And I think what really stood out for me in like basically 
coaching, like I said, thousands of women at the time I had a webinar and I was having hundreds of people sign up per week. And so my community grew very quickly and I was hearing all these birth stories every single week. And what struck me and what I really started to hone in on was the labor funnel and not just the funnel because the labor funnel is something that, I mean, I coined the term, but I learned the concept through the business of being born with Ricky Lake and that whole documentary actually just in a series of documentaries now. Um, but I learned the concept of love or um, the labor funnel through her, but even more than that, what I really honed in on was the obstacles because there's a set of very predictable um, preventable obstacles that trip women mm. into the labor funnel. And I mean, call me a little bit conspiratorial, but I feel like the mainstream medical system, the birth matrix is set up to monetize us, right? It's a billion dollar industry in, in the States is, is the birth, the obstetrical world, right? So it's like, uh, yeah, that's not by accident. They are definitely pushing women into that, um, well, cesarean sections direction. are a higher pay grade than a vaginal birth, right? Well, yeah. Like and then you can just go ahead and schedule your cesarean section, which just goes against nature, which I always thought was just, you know, it's a convenience thing rather than what's actually right for you and your baby. But that's, I digress. But cesareans mm-hmm. no, are apparently good. like, it's a good, it's a, it's a good chunk of change in your pocket if you get to perform those. Definitely. And if you start to kind of, as a pregnant woman, understand that like, oh, wait, they might be pushing me into this intervention because there's a kickback for them or because they have ulterior motives. And you start to just say, hey, like, I don't want that. I want what I want. I want what's best for me and my baby. And then you start to take back your power. And so Mm -hmm. when you understand that, Hey, I don't want to be taken advantage of, I don't want to be monetized unnecessarily, like putting me and my baby at risk. Like I want to be the one in charge. And so I better like do the work. I better figure out like, what is this system? What are, what is this labor funnel? What are these obstacles that trip women into the funnel? How do I advocate for myself around this? What, what is a natural birth? How does that pan out? What should I expect? All of these things that if you don't know, you're just literally, and I feel bad, like not having faith in women, but it's like diving headfirst into the labor funnel. Cause there's so much yeah. guilt. There's so much pressure. There's so much time pressure and manipulation and fear mongering. And if you aren't prepared and ready to say, Hey, nah, you're not going to play me like that, then most women just, they just will. They just want their baby out safe. And that's what, like I said, that's the number one manipulation tool is, is your baby could die. The dead baby card. Yep. Yep. And that's every mother's nightmare and they know it. So they just, they use it. And I've, you know, I've interviewed love your labor moms who say like, as soon as I agreed to get the epidural or as soon as I agreed to get the cesarean, it's like, oh, thank God she agreed. It's like, oh, fine. She folded, you know, like it's like mm. now, okay, great. She's not resisting our way of doing things. And, um, you know, it shouldn't be like that. It, it should be like every individual mother should have the right to make her own birth choices. I mean, it's a really emotionally charged process. Uh, and like you said, there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. and even just during the pregnancy as well. Um, I have also come to understand through um, observing or following or starting to uh, look at alternatives for um, delivery and people who can be a part of that community for me when it's time for myself to be pregnant and and go into labor. And uh, it's really wild when you hear 
some of the things that they even call out things that I thought were probably just like, yeah, that's normal. I feel like that's fine. And we don't, we, we, we don't even realize how much happens. It's probably unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was, that was mind blowing to me, even with the midwives and God, like God bless midwives. Cause they definitely mm-hmm. are a, are a more holistic choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all fairness, they are still part of the ministry of health and they are limited. Um, they have certain limitations on how they can operate as well, based on hospital, hospital roles and ministry of health type of regulations. So, um, I found that really fascinating and a little bit scary, (laughs) a different type of fear came up for me with that. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's, um, and that again, it just comes back to like, you have to be the one in charge. I always say like your body, your baby, your birth, you're the boss. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, and that's where the empowerment must, must, must come in. You brought up one type of quote unquote obstacle that starts to trip people into the, to the funnel with your own experience with a breach and how it's often just, um, it's almost like a non-negotiable where we're not going to deliver this way. Um, are there any, like, can you give like two more possible, like really, really common obstacles that women can often get tripped into the labor funnel without realizing that there might be another alternative for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, one that we've all heard is baby's too big or your pelvis is too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they totally assume that you don't understand when they say that to you is that, um, that the baby's skull bones are not fused. Right. And mm-hmm. so we've often seen babies born with like this cone head and that's because their, their skull is literally able to reshape itself to fit through the pelvis. And also the fact that your body produces relaxant for your whole entire pregnancy. So that at the time of birth, your pelvic bones are able to be as, as open and as flexible and mobile as, as possible to facilitate that exit as well. So, you know, they, they discount the fact that mother nature has already accounted for that, mm-hmm. you know, and, but yet they try to fear you. And the fact that these ultrasounds are not accurate at this stage of pregnancy, you know, 38 weeks to say, Oh my gosh, you're be way too big to fit out vaginally. That is entirely manipulative. That is a huge obstacle tripping women into the funnel. Um, we're actually directly to the end of the funnel. Cause that usually leads to C-section. Um, and then another common one is, is gestational diabetes where they'll often say like, oh, you're positive for gestational diabetes. And that means bigger baby. And that means we have to do an induction by 38 weeks. And they just push, 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 push all this fear and intervention. When I actually look way back and I say, actually, let's talk about this gestational diabetes test, you know, like what are the alternatives here? And we have a whole array of alternative protocols that you can follow because the one that they give you in the hospital is artificially um, high, you know, in terms mm. of, um, like it's going to create an unnatural glucose spike in your body, which most people aren't accustomed to drinking the orange McDonald's drinks, right? That's right? like, thick. <laughs> it's so sweet. It's so syrupy. It's so chemically intoxic, right? So it's like, that's not a normal thing that most pregnant women are eating. So let's actually like scale it way back. We'll give them a normal dose of glucose and see how their body responds. And, and there are alternatives. You can decline that. You can do alternatives with the HbA1c and all these, right? There are other options, but mm-hmm. yet women are being told falsely that they're diabetic and then fear mongered and told that, you know, however many weeks 
um, that they need an automatic C-section or that we have to do this induction of 38 weeks. And it's like, oh, let's just advocate for yourself here, but also prevent all of that event if you're able to. Thank, I appreciate you shedding light on just a few more examples, just so that women can start to think more critically mm-hmm. about this and start to understand um, how things are set up to persuade women to, to really go into a certain direction. And sometimes it might actually be really necessary. Yeah. So I think that's where your program starts to come in to educate. Like, when is it necessary to go that route? When can you start to have alternatives? And I think that that's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Love Your Labor program itself? And mm-hmm. um, how long is it? What does it kind of entail for women? Um, so that women who are listening can start to realize that they have another option and also go, go grab her book. It's really great. We'll talk about that again at the end. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to say about my program, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of like updating and restructuring mm. things right now, but So I'm kind of like rebranding. I'm rethinking about what it is about Love Your Labor um, that makes it unique. And I, I mean, I feel like if I were to have another baby right now, I would not be in the medical system, right? But that's not necessarily where my ideal clientele is, right? Mm -hmm. My ideal clientele is, wants to have a natural birth, but maybe is delivering in hospital, maybe is delivering in a birth center, maybe is delivering at home. (laughs) but they still need to understand all of this. Right. And so I don't think that my program is like necessarily the free birth program. It's kind of like it meets the patient wherever they're at or the client, wherever they are at, just like we learned with naturopathic medicine. Right. So, um, and I also wanted to say the program is also different than a typical natural labor prep program in that we talk a lot about subconscious beliefs. Hmm. We're going to talk more about that um, as I do these updates, because I think it's so incredibly powerful and so impactful when we can reprogram our subconscious before our birth, because we are trained, we are programmed from little girls to fear our birth. And again, maybe a little bit conspiratorial, but I think that's so that we will go into the labor funnel. It's like, so that they can profit on our bodies, right? So understanding that and that we may not even be conscious of this fear or, you know, this distrust in our body's ability to do that, that that will actually, if we are unconscious to those beliefs that that could actually hinder our birth experience. And so we do a lot of work with reprogramming the subconscious mind and that kind of dovetails into manifestation techniques, um, which I'll talk about at the end. So the program is completely online. Originally it was a four week program that started, the protocol started um, around 36, 37 weeks. Now it's a much more robust program. We're talking Mm. about gestational diabetes tests at 25 weeks. We're talking about GBS group B strep swabs that are 35 weeks. And so there's plenty of information. We're going to start um, even some first and second trimester stuff in, in these updates. Right. So it's like, it's a much more robust program, not exclusively focused on the labor. Um, but the first module is labor preparation. So this is where we align the body and mind. We soften the cervix, tone the uterus, position the baby so that everything is as you know, our ducks are in a row as much as possible when the time comes for us to have, um, our baby. The second module is the partner prep. So this is where I train the partner to basically be the doula. 
because your labor hormones, also your love hormones. So ideally you've got the person that you love the most there coaching you, supporting Hopefully. you too. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you love them. <laughs> But that is really a great way to like kind of biohack your birth, right? Because you're mm. you're boosting the oxytocin, which is making the experience more enjoyable for both of you and your labor more efficient. Awesome. The third module is breastfeeding um, prep. So that I personally had a very rough breastfeeding journey with my first. And I was like, women need to know the basics before they start trying to latch their baby. Um, and so that's what that module is all about. Getting the foundations of a good latch right before baby's even born. The fourth module is birth prep. So this is where we talk about natural labor induction modalities. This is where we talk about um, the proper way to push and protecting the perineum from unnecessary tearing and when to go to the hospital if that's your plan and things like that. So those are the four core modules. In the last update, I added two more, which were overcoming birth obstacles. And so this is where I talk about all those obstacles. I've got 11 right now. I'm going to wow. add some more in. They just kind of keep cropping up. Um, as I've gone through the last decade of birth work, I'm like, oh, that's a new one. Oh, that's, I'm seeing that one a lot. Okay. I'll make a mm -hmm. video about that one. So it's like, I really feel like the trends are coming out. Right. And so I'm able to kind of respond and, and manage that. And then the sixth module is the birth manifestation module. And so this is something that, again, I think sets the program apart. Not most birth programs are talking about manifestation, but it's such a big part of me and my life and my last birth. Like I said, I manifested it down to the detail. And so this is where we talk a lot about energy and your thoughts and your feelings, which lead into the subconscious beliefs. Um, and you know, how we can work with the energies to be able to manifest the birth that we really want to have. I love that. I love that there's a manifestation component. I mean, you and I outside of this recording have also chatted about, uh, how your thoughts and emotions have a very strong impact on how your physical body shows up for you. And that is a big deal. So not even in manifesting necessarily your ideal labor, but also in the moment of being in labor and having people who are going to facilitate creating a space that is empowering for you rather than one that creates more fear like people are chaotic and things like that, this setting the tone for yourself so that you can stay within your power emotionally, within your thoughts, with be in your body, that kind of thing. I always go back to this one moment. I was present for one of my sister's, uh, not, not her birth, but the birth of her child. I was like trying mm -hmm. to find the words for that. <laughs> and uh, I was present and it actually it transpired quite quickly that the midwife was stuck in traffic and I was like, the baby was crowning and she was on the bed and I was like, okay, it's me and you. So this is it, right? Like we're going to do this. Well. <laughs> the midwife eventually came and I was her number two until her number two showed up Okay, and it was a home birth. And we, we, we lived together at the time and I hope she's okay with me sharing this, but I'm sure she'll be. Um, but there was this one time where the midwife called out my sister, not in like a bad way, but she was just like, you are right up here. And she pointed to her head and where your attention needs to be and your focus needs to be is down here. And she like mm. pointed down to like her pelvic area. And then it was true. Cause my sister was in her head about all the, all the things and my, the midwife could see it. 
And she was like, okay, take a deep breath, bring your focus here, like start to, and honestly, the labor shifted so incredibly after that, because it was a change in her headspace. It was a change in our emotions. It was a change in her focus. And it wasn't like chaotic thoughts, mile a minute. It was like, okay, let's bring all of our love and attention to this, this moment. And it really, really did change the course of the labor after that. It was really beautiful. And I think that always sticks out for me. Oh yeah. I think mindset is everything. I mean, I, I, it's, it's so it's important. I don't want to say it's everything. So then I'm like, partner support is important and environment <laughs> education is important, but it's so important to have your mind in the right space. Cause your mind is generating thoughts, which are going to generate emotions, which are going to generate hormones and the hormones of fear and fight or flight are going to block your labor. Yeah. And so that midwife is probably very well versed at, okay, this mom is getting lost in fear. She's getting lost in how am I going to push this baby out? She's getting lost in the, the details and you need to be in a totally different part of your mind, of your brain in order to allow those hormones to flow and unfold the way that they're designed to. So that's, that's, that's such a good point. You know what I mean? You cannot be in your head. You can't be worrying and stressing and fearful. And that's why your environment's so important. That's why you're your team is so important and your preparation is so important. So you can stay in that headspace. No, I think it's such a, I, yeah, it was, it was a really incredible moment for me. I'm very thankful to have been a part of that moment as yeah, well. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. It was pretty awesome. I love that. <laughs> forever, forever bonded for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really glad that you started to expand on that because I was thinking about the love your labor program is like, is it just labor central, but I like that you're starting to bring it in deeper into the rest of the pregnancy. Cause I find that's where, that's where women already start to lose their power is mm-hmm. just through the course of the pregnancy or even in the fertility side of things. Like I find that that there's so many women come to the office and they're like, we're going through the fertility system right now. And I'm just taken so many pills and I have to go in for tests this many times and this and that. And eventually they get fatigued from it. And then of course, when they stop dealing with that stuff, like three months later, they're like, I'm naturally pregnant. Cause I gave up mm-hmm. on that stressful journey. And mm-hmm. for some people it's very necessary, I imagine to really facilitate the process. Um, but I think that can start already there. Just the, just the, the strain and the fear and the struggles for conception already starts to put people in a very interesting headspace. When women talk about getting pregnant, there's, I don't want to say everyone, but often there's this, there's this level of desperation. And I just find like to make decisions and to take action from a place of desperation, rather the place of empowerment is a very different thing. And I feel for these women who feel like this is my sole purpose in life. And if I can't do this, I'm not a female, I'm less than or whatever. And it starts so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that maybe one day you can start creating some empowerment around that. It's yeah. <laughs> my wish for you. Um, but I love that you're starting to extend it into the pregnancy because a lot of women still have so many questions in the pregnancy and they're like, mm-hmm. well, my doctor recommended this. Do I actually really need it? I don't really want to take it. Like, what's the right answer? Is there an alternative? Like we get a lot of that, those questions as naturopaths. So I'm like that. It, I like that you're incorporating that. I would, I think my question for you is if somebody is pregnant, at what point should they like dive into the love your labor program is this something you recommend doing before conception during your pregnancy do you have like is there certain criteria to be able to join the program as well no not at all actually um 
because I was selling it in such high volumes previously, we were seeing just about everything along the spectrum. We had women's who were women's women, women's who hard. <laughs> we had women who were not even pregnant yet, but were concerned or, or fearful of their birth. And they were like, okay, I need to overcome this fear before my body will even allow me to be get, become pregnant. Well, I love that, that insight they had that, they had right? that foresight and just intuition. Yeah. Um, and then we've had people in first trimester, certainly second trimester, absolutely third trimester for sure. Um, and then in terms of like how late into the third trimester, I always tell the story of this one woman who was 39 and four. So like in three days and she joined the program and she's like, I am on mat. I'm on baby watch. Like I have nothing else to do. She binged the course, which is about 15 hours of video content. And then all the workbooks and all the things. So she binged it. And then I think it was a week later. So three days after finishing the course, she had her birth and was like, I'm so happy I joined. And the program now we've included, I also created a postpartum program that helps awesome. moms. Yeah. That helps moms through the first three months postpartum. We call it the fourth trimester mm-hmm. that is, you know, still very highly pressured to get certain interventions or to give formula or nipple shields or like all of these things. And so this just really helps to support moms through that as well. And so even the moms who are like 38, 39 weeks, like do I invest in a labor course? It's like, well, we also have this postpartum that's going to support you all the way through until three months postpartum and beyond, right? Because it's like, once you educate and empower yourself, you, you start to advocate for yourself. You start to advocate for your baby as if that ends when the course content ends, you know, you're still a part of the group. You can still come in and ask questions at any time. It's lifetime access. We have a Facebook community Q and A's every single week. And it's like, moms can then feel like, Oh no, I, the support continues. It goes on, it goes on. Um, and so there is no, there is no like ideal time. Really. I always just say the earlier, the better, because then you're in that headspace. You're in that conversation. You're doing that work for longer. And with the manifestation component too, you can start to get your head and your heart in the right space for continuing on this, on this trajectory. Um, I'm very thankful that you have a fourth trimester because I am going to actually like once, like the, once the soul chooses to join me and my partner, we are, I'm definitely, you know, investing in this, a mutual friend of ours, um, said for her last child, she actually took your program and I was having a little private chat with her once. And she said, honestly, she's like, I learned stuff. She's like, and I thought I knew it with my first two kids. She's like, I thought I knew. And she's yeah. like, and then I took Corinne's course and she was like, and there was more to know. And she was like, and I just felt so much more empowered going into, into this third birth. And I felt, and I, and I was extremely encouraged by that. So I think that's what prompted me to purchase your book. And mm-hmm. I found that that also started to put me in the right headspace for how I want to move forward with things. And just like the courage and just the confidence, I think is more, just, just more confident knowing that I can do this. I have choices. I can speak up for myself, which, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a loud and boisterous person. So I'm sure yes, that won't I have be a problem, no but, doubt you'll speak but, up for yourself, <laughs> but, but I'm really thankful. confidence in nature, right? It's like the confidence in like you look all around and nature is abundant. Nature knows what it's doing. And so you just accept yourself as a part of that whole. And you're like, yeah, of course my body knows how to do this. Yeah. The raccoons and the deers and the squirrels and all the things. That's just it. Like even the little story about your kittens in the book. And I was like, they instinctively know what to do. 
And it just started to reinforce the idea that as we have continued to quote unquote evolve in this world, we have become more and more disconnected from our intuition. We've become more and more disconnected from our health and our, and how our body is meant to show up for us and how we're supposed to show up for our body. Right. Mm. Um, so little, like even just those stories you share, it just reinforces that like why I'm a naturopath and how I'm trying to foster people's bodies to heal, but also just like that doesn't just stick out with like the naturopathic patient relationship. That's, I still have to embody that for my own well being as well and trust mm-hmm. that in myself, which was, I was like, I thought I had it on lock. And I was like, no, I can, <laughs> I can yeah. trust my body even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we can always trust our bodies more. I appreciate that you have a fourth trimester support. Um, and you were, you were talking about how, um, you know, there's like maybe mastitis or nipple covers or this, and people don't know what their options are. But I think also the hard part is, is that once the labor is done, it's kind of like, okay, bye. And there is no, there isn't really a lot of like in ongoing support. If you work with a midwife or a doula, then you might have that ongoing support postpartum, but mm-hmm. through the medical world, it's like, okay, we'll see you in six weeks or something. Um, I can't imagine that. No, I have midwives for all three babies. I can't imagine. I needed them. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm glad that there's some kind of support too, for people to begin to empower themselves postpartum as well. And I know people, um, people complain about that. They're like, I just felt like I was just left with this dependent now and no support. Mm -hmm. And I think, is it, is it in China or somewhere in South, somewhere in somewhere on that side of the world, I think they have birthing or postpartum facilities right? Where you can go in with your baby and you can get a massage or there's lactation consultants. And then there's like therapies and stuff. And there's, and there's things to nourish like the mom because mm. everything t- starts to become about the baby, which is important. But like, what about the mom? She just went through something like, I don't want to say traumatic, but quite like some great feats her body just went through. And then she still has to recover and show up. And it's just kind of like, ah, oh, you'll be fine. Oh, the baby. Let's, let's talk about the baby. And I, and I feel, and, and I feel like that's such a big missing part mm-hmm. of how they burn out. This yeah. Is how we burn out. Yeah. I wonder why I have postpartum depression. Uh, mm-hmm. right. It's a thyroid and adrenal problem and maybe a nutrient deficiency thing. It doesn't mean you need necessarily serotonin reuptake inhibitors and things, mm-hmm. but yeah. And, and depression, like that's something that we cover in the first module of the postpartum program. And it's like your birth impacts your postpartum mood, your postpartum hormones, your postpartum, like you say, trauma, your re- your memory and your recollection of this experience and having a disempowered birth or a birth that goes through the labor funnel un- volunt- involuntarily. Um, has a much higher rate of postpartum depression. And you're entering motherhood in this very sad, very disempowered state. And then it's already kind of, you know, the baby blues and the, and the tendency towards depression. And so if you have any predisposition to anxiety or depression already, when you're not pregnant and postpartum, it just creates this perfect storm, right? So it's like, there's so many benefits to having a natural positive birth, but that's one of them is like supporting your, your, mood and your hormones in the postpartum such a big deal mm-hmm. I want to touch on one thing before we kind of uh start to wrap up and tell people where they can access all your information but there is something just on the whole note of you moving into labor and then how that might that will affect and be a part of 
your healing process from labor. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what an ecstatic birth is for people? <laughs> Absolutely, I can. Oh man, my so my third birth, I I got it professionally painted. I it is my favorite experience, my favorite memory of my whole entire life. I still get goosebumps when I think about it, when I conjure those memories, when I look at those pictures. So an ecstatic birth, when you're naturally laboring, your body understands that you're in pain, right? And so it's, it's doing things to naturally offset that and it's producing endorphins. And in the final stages of pregnancy, as you're pushing, you've got really high endorphins, you've got really high adrenaline, and that's all helping to give you all this like power to push and to manage the pain of this, what you're dealing with. But then as soon as the baby is born, those hormones no longer have those other duties, right? So now you just have this beautiful, like I, it's like fireworks of oxytocin and endorphins that just puts you in this literally ecstatic space where you can't stop giggling. You're just like, Oh my God, I can't, can't." you're not even making sense. You're talking literal gibberish, but it is so fun because you just feel like you, you climbed a mountain and you're now at the summit and you're just like, what? I can't believe I did that. You feel like you're on top of the world, but hormonally there's an explanation for it. And that in my opinion is mother nature's gift to moms to be like, here you go. You're now a mom. And it's like launches you into postpartum, but on this cloud nine, where now you're in the perfect position to produce your breast milk and to latch your baby and to bond and to just be in this like loving, beautiful soup versus with my first baby, where I was on the operating table, they're putting my insides back together. My baby was in the recovery room doing skin to skin with my husband. I didn't see him for like over an hour. I was not in an ecstatic state. I mean, when I saw him, I was like, oh, excited. You're so cute. But like, I is nothing like when I had my third birth, when literally my baby was born onto my chest and I just bawling and blubbering and laughing and squealing. And it's like, that is hormonally, like, I believe like a part of the process so that we can avoid that postpartum depression, that postpartum dip as much as possible and really just facilitate an easier an easier, you know, entry into motherhood. That just sounds like so lovely. Like, like, like seriously, like that's the type of high that I want in my life. It's like, but it's like, it's so much like any transformative experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, my, my issue with the ND license or separating with my husband, it's like, you go through this really difficult time and it's, so heart-wrenching or like in the case of birth really physically demanding and it's the hardest shit you'll ever do but then it's like that ecstasy is so great because of the difficulty that you went through Mm. you know it's like if you weren't going through all of that pain your body wouldn't be producing those hormones and then you wouldn't have the ecstatic state so it's like that dance it's that trade-off you go through the really difficult stuff so that you get this really beautiful ecstatic experience at the end I mean, that's where mother nature is super cool. She's always about the balance, right? Right. There's always those checks and balances and she knows exactly how to rebound and how to, to allow for the extremes and then the recovery. If you just let it. Yeah. And one more example of that is labor land. 
So when you're in transition, which is like seven, eight centimeters, it's the hardest. It's like every woman who's laboring naturally will look at you and say, I can't do this anymore. Let's go to the hospital. I need an epidural immediately. This, I can't, cannot continue because labor progresses like this. And so you hit seven centimeters and you're like, I can't go any further. This is the most I've ever had to deal with, but really it plateaus in terms of pain. And then mother nature puts you into this beautiful, dark, like I always say, like draws a black velvet curtain around you. And you're all of a sudden in this very like groggy headspace. You're not really entirely sure what's going on around you. You just are very introverted, doing the work, getting through your contractions. You're not attached to them. You're not thinking about them. You're not worrying about them. You're not suffering. You're just in the friggin' zone. And if you've ever mm. seen a woman in labor land, she doesn't know you're there. She's not talking to you. If it's like, you have to communicate with her. It's like one grunt for yes, two grunts for no. It's like that, like you're not in your like front brain. And so it's very, it's a gift that mother nature does. It's like, this is the hardest part. So I'm just going to like protect you from it. I'm going to take you out of your thinking brain and we're just going to get through it. And then they reach 10 centimeters and they wake up as if they've just woken up from a, a long nap and they're like, okay, let's go. I'm ready to push. And that's the adrenaline <laughs> that shoots in. Right. And so it's like hilarious to watch, but that's like, again, mother nature just protecting you so that you'll continue to have more babies. <laughs> if you had to go through transition without labor land and many women have, because they're not able to mentally detach because there's too much to think about. There's too much fear. There's too much going on the lights, the people coming in and out or whatever you mm. need to be in the zone to be able to get into labor land. But when you can, that is a gift from mother nature, man. It just like protects you from the hardest of the hard and then wakes you up when it's time when you need to like actually do stuff. <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's so fascinating. The human body is wildly magical. Like that's really the only thing I can say. It's beyond I I'm also obsessed with it and I think that's what like naturopathic medicine does right yeah. it just shows you like the body's wise the body can heal the body can do these things it's like we just have to support it I know we just have to facilitate giving it the building blocks so it can do what it can do quick question um what what epidurals that's one of those things if I remember correctly that can prohibit us from going into labor land and then an ecstatic pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is, is it possible to reach an ecstatic pregnancy with it, with an epidural? Do you know, or is that uh, an difficult? ecstatic birth? No, it, ecstatic it's, birth. it's I, I mean, you can absolutely be still happy when your baby mm -hmm. is born, but in right, terms but, of the hormones, right. Um, because you're not feeling the pain, then your body's not going to produce the endorphins. And That's so it it won't be the same ecstatic kind of right. like gibberish squealy experience. You're, you'll certainly be so happy that it's over and like, Oh my God, my baby. And like, like love it and love mm -hmm. them. Um, you know, and uh, like, I'm not anti epidural too. Mm -hmm. Like that's the other thing with my program is like, there's a time and a space for interventions. You just got to know when that time and space is. And yeah. there's absolutely been births I've attended where the epidural was the right call. Um, right. But yeah, in terms of ecstatic, um, well, that, that, that pinnacle of that ecstatic birth that yeah. will, you will, like, like you said, you'll still feel the joy. You'll still feel the enthusiasm. You'll still mm. feel that all the love and everything you need, but reaching that like really super awesome pinnacle. Yeah. 
that offsets the pain that would come from a natural birth. So it's meant to be those come together essentially. So the epidural will limit your ability to reach that level. Yeah. That's really all it is. But it, like, like you said, it's not necessarily a bad choice. There's a, there's a time yeah. and a place for those things. And I think that's what I like about your program. And it's just giving people options. It's not telling them what to do. It's not telling mm. them that something is, is good or bad, or you should be shameful about making those choices. It's just here are choices. What do you think is in your best interest for you, your husband and your, your, you, your partner and your family to bring this like new life into this world. 100%. And I think that's a very valuable gift to women who want to become pregnant. And I don't think we get that enough. Mm -hmm. We've had conversations about this too, how, um, part of that, like programming is when you see any kind of depiction of pregnancy and labor in Hollywood, it is very sanitized, medicalized, and it is scary scary it's like I always get this image of Rachel from friends being in labor for forever and then she's like doc can't you do something can you just light a fire and smoke the baby out I always love that scene but she's just (laughs) but people are coming in and out and she's just an excruciating pain and it's always in the stirrups and it's always in a hospital Mm -hmm. and it's and the idea of a home birth always is very it's almost a little bit of a mockery of home birth and it's almost like these people are super weird. And, and, and I feel like that really starts to create an idea in people's minds um, that home birthing and any type of natural therapies is really out there and it's weird and it's hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that regular pregnancy is extremely painful. It's extremely difficult. Give me the epidural. Cause they always say that in the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I know you have to wonder when it's like copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Every birth experience we've ever seen is literally a repetition of the last kind of like, you have to be like what exactly? It's like, what is your agenda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are on to you. Yeah. You're like, what are you That's trying to true. But it's true. Like you said, like as girls, as little girls, we start to get, we start to get programmed in a lot of ways. Like I've read certain books, like Rise, Sister, Rise from Rebecca Campbell and things from Lisa Lister and, and how there's like the good girl or the whore, the Madonna or the whore. And you have to be a good girl and good girl status where you're obedient. You don't question, you don't do this. And a lot of that was instilled. Maybe mm-hmm. our generation's a little bit less, but I know like my mom's generation, oh my goodness, that yeah. good girl label was carried like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I'm hoping that we're starting to understand that there, there's, we don't have to carry any of those labels, frankly, anymore. And I hope that women are starting to feel more empowered to make better choices, whether it's by their pregnancies, their labors or anything in this world at this point in time. Yeah. It's a huge process of unlearning. Really. All of this is like empowering yourself and unlearning the things that we have been taught and programmed with in order to just, yeah, like live your, your truest, most authentic life and have your truest, most authentic birth can't do that if we're all scared and nervous and and preoccupied in our minds with what we've seen copy and pasted throughout our childhoods right fear is one of the fear and desperateness are like one of the worst places to make decisions from when it comes to anything in your life so why would you want to make any decisions regarding to bringing a new life into this world under those circumstances as well 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Thank you for having this conversation and sharing it with our audience. Cause I, I hope that it connects with many women and starts to empower them and they can spread the word to realize that there are choice. They, they have options. They can make different choices. Um, and they can make empowered choices when it comes to their labor and their pregnancy and their postpartum. Corinne, tell our audience how they can connect with you so that they can access all these amazing resources that you have for them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm most active, I would say, on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is brownroots.love. Um, you can visit the link in my bio there for all kinds of goodies. I'm not sure when this podcast is being released, but we are thinking about starting a new webinar um, and, you know, a couple of different offerings. So all of that will be updated in the link in my bio and also on my website, which is brownroodslove.com. You'll find all the information about Love Your Labor there. If you're interested in being a Love Your Labor mom, you can book a free call. And yeah, my book is The Badass Birth Goddess. All the links for that, as well as my podcast, which is called Rebirth with Corinne Brown. Um, all of that is on my website and my show link in my bio. So those are awesome. the places. Yeah. Awesome. Keep empowering people and women and their partners. Yeah. To, to, to be part of that journey as well. Cause like, we can't forget about, about the significant others. Cause they are, like you said, a really big part of that. And I love that there's a component for that. So I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your, your courage and your confidence to start to help women carve different paths for themselves and make more empowered choices. I think it's such a necessary thing in this world. Um, if the last three years have not taught us that, that we need to start making informed, empowered choices for our own benefits, then I don't know what has. So thank you for doing the good work. Thank you so much, Michelle.